Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? Hey, I was driving your car, or your wife's car the other day, mm. and uh, I was listening to uh, NPR. I haven't heard that in a while. I think we should do the. I think you should do the podcast like they do NPR. Like, you think that I don't? No, no, no. I mean, you got to talk like you don't really care about anything. Uh, like, Not, uh, hey, no offense, NPR, but you know, no, I no. They they're, they have a very they have a very. Um, Detached journalist yeah, tone. Yeah, detached. Where it's like, yeah, you're not detached. That's good. I, I, I'm not. This is an emotional podcast. We, we are invested <laughs> in the stuff we're talking Welcome about. Welcome to the emotional podcast. And I listen. I think this is great. Uh, this uh, this guest, Stanley Robertson, is going to talk. Yes. His book is called Quit. Yes, it's the last principle of success. Now you you you're going to really like this. Uh, Jack, I've, been, I've been forced to quit, but I, I yeah, Jack, it's good. Jack Canfield wrote yes. wrote his uh, I, forward. I, I just oh my, I just and I just quoted him in the book that I'm working on. Uh, yeah, uh, so, the uh, success principles. Yes. So Stanley Stanley Robertson, Doctor Robertson, and Jack Canfield are in the same. Uh, what, you, what is uh, we talk about this in the, in the interview? Um, the the thing with that that Lin Manuel Miranda has his brain trust his his group. Yeah. So they yeah, are, yeah. Jack it's, Canfield it's called and Stan- his cabinet. Yeah. So Jack Canfield and Stanley Robertson are are Jack Canfield's in Stanley Robertson's brain trust. It's in his his yeah. cabinet. Yeah. That's so, a, by the way. That's Success Principles. It's yeah. a great book. And I, you know you you live this when you quit Entertainment Tonight to focus on your music. That's exactly what uh, Dr. Robertson talks about. And what we're going to talk about in this interview is, is, is how to know when is the right time uh, to quit the things that are distracting yeah, you from the things yeah. that you want to do, because, because there just isn't enough time in the day and you're going to have to make choices eventually. And this is, this is a guide to helping you make those choices and to embrace the, uh, lack of shame in, in making adjustments in your life. If something's not working and quitting it. Yeah. But so, so I'm assuming he, he addresses the thing about, cause everybody's like, you know, as long as you're persistent, You'll be successful. It's not true, right? Well, he believes in persistence. And he says every successful person has persistence, but knowing when to quit and what to persist with yeah. is the key. Yeah, I can't wait. This is, this is great. Hey, uh, before we get there, let's talk about, uh, about text messages. Apparently, the way we text message can, uh, can tell people about our, our age. So, no question. So there's a new study from thousands of random people, and they, analyzed, uh, they use a computer to analyze uh, texts. And first, so millennials... And that's a little younger than you. That'd be Prima's age. Mm-hmm. They tend to use more emojis than older generations, but older textures are more likely to use a smiley face made with a colon. That's me. Right. The, and to actually yeah. type it out. Now, yeah. uh, I have on my phone. I, w- I, I want to show that I've done some work. If <laughs> I do that on my phone, it'll make the actual emoji pop up. Oh, which is I know. Nice. That's so irritating. Why? It's, it's doing the heavy no, because for I don't you. want people. To, I don't want people to think that I just clicked on a. It's like uh. when you. When you sometimes when you when we're having a conversation with the family, right, and you just put you, you click something, a thumbs up, and it says "Gib liked so and so." Do you notice what I do? I never, I never click on that thing. I, my thing, my thing is I like, I like that. I have to type <laughs> it out. I know it's like ridiculous, but I feel like I just feel like I'm not doing the work. So I, I'm the colon guy. You're Sarah Lee. You're hey, the reason. I'm the colon guy. You're the reason Sarah Lee had to make it so you had to add the uh, or Betty Crocker so you had to add the 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 egg to the cake right, mix. Right. Yeah, you guys know yeah. that story. Give but, emphasize this. No, 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 no. I'm, gonna, I'm emphasizing this. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna type out the word even though I don't know how to spell it. Years ago, Betty Crocker's cake mix came out. Was it Sarah yes, Lee or Betty good Crocker? Good story. Listen to this. Uh, was it Sarah Lee or Betty Crocker? Do you remember? I was. I think it was uh, Betty Crocker. Okay, yeah. so the ca- same type of deal. The cake mix comes out, and you don't have to do anything. You just add water and right, you bake it. Right. And it was not selling because. Right. It be, and and they went through. Uh, the, this is in the fifties. Yeah, like they yeah, went through yeah. the testing, and they found out that it was it felt too wrong to these people to make cake without doing anything. 
So they took out egg and you had to break your own eggs and mix it yeah. in. And all of a sudden it went like gangbusters. As yeah. long as you had to do a little bit of the work, that's you and texting. Right. As long as you, you got to right. type, yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to know people, eh, I kind of made it from scratch. Yeah, it's not some, really sometimes you'll do like the combo thing where you'll do, the, the, I'm having some therapy here, you and I. You'll, you'll do the, uh, you'll, you'll go, it'll go, Gib liked. I'll say, hey, Gib, I'll be home in, in 30 minutes and we can work on the show. And, and you'll be Gib liked. And, and then you'll, then you'll, there'll be like a pause and you'll, you'll type, that's cool. Thanks. You know, well, it's like, well, you're, it's like, yeah. I got to remember who I'm talking to. So I, <laughs> so I hit the like button. That's just the same way of saying I got it. Like, it's just, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very sensitive. Right. So then I go, he's probably not going to like that. I just liked it. He's going to want some words. So, oh my God. Got it. Thanks. Please let us know. On, please let us know on Facebook if you're, if you're with me or you're with, or with Gip. Uh, this I, is a generational texting oh issue God, right this here. This is so great. And Connie's like, just click the like button. I said, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, well, you know what gets you nuts? What's that? Is when I sarcastically hit the dislike button. Oh, yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand that. No, it's, what, what, what really makes me crazy, and one of our friends was doing this. Is, uh, folks, I, ho- I hope you're relating to this because this is going to continue for just a little while before we get the interview. But, um, I get a thing every now and then where it says, like, like our friend Denise. He says, Denise removed the heart. I'm like, what? Why'd you remove the heart, Denise? <laughs> so, and, then, and then she'll add like a, th- a, a like, and then, but, but she removed the heart. I'm like, what does this mean? Oh, why? Well, she doesn't, she I likes didn't even it. know you could remove she, it. Oh, yeah. She likes it. She doesn't love it. Well, because sometimes you might accidentally dislike something uh, or accidentally uh, like heart something that you uh, really want to you know, just emphasize. I can get removing the dislike, but... but well, you can remove yeah. anything. They, yeah. They don't, they, don't, they don't discriminate into uh, what, right. what you can remove. My with. thumbs are so big, I can't remove anything. I'm yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. I just send a thumbprint. So there you go. There's some examples of okay. some generational okay. so, But here's another thing. Younger texters also tend to use all caps oh, yeah. and add tons of repeating letters to add emphasis. So if you see the word nice in all caps with eight eyes, chances are the sender is under the age of 30. Yes. I, I, have, a, I have a younger sister who's 12 years younger than me. And when I'm texting right, her, right. I, do, I do the extra stuff just to you know, feel relatable so I can feel right. cool. Yeah. Uh, older generations are among the fir- were among the first to ever send text messages, so their habits are well ingrained, even though expressions like LOL are no longer cool. So do they still use them? Yeah, so they use, uh, they use L- yeah, I, I never used LOL because I could never figure out what it was. Well, it kind of looks, I did this on a television show. If you look at lowercase LOL, it looks like somebody drowning with their arms in oh, the air. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. The, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, Wait, it's, 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 it's laugh out loud, right? That's what it stands for. But now, see, now here's the fun part. There's all these uh, there's all these websites with uh, generational texting issues, and one of them is everybody thinks that LOL, the this older woman thinks that LOL stands for lots of love. Right. So somebody's talking about somebody dying, and she means to send lots of love, so she writes LOL. But to the person receiving it, it looks like she's laughing at it. Oh no! This yeah. Is ter- yeah. So just type it out, guys. I mean, you're right, and, and that's where the emojis help because the emojis are clear. Right. That you're right. you know you're you're laughing or you're shedding a tear like that's that's what does the emoji mean? Uh, this is so much. This is so helpful. I hope you guys are okay. Yeah. What does the emoji mean when the teeth are like straight across? They're not up or down. That's the grimace. Oh, it's like yeah, yeah. That's that the grimace. Of, okay. Yeah. All right. I've sent that a couple of times. People didn't understand what that yeah. was. It's not right. a big grin. It's the I'm on, it's the right. awkward thing. I'm, I use that one a lot. I can't believe it. People people sometimes I'll I'll send something to them and then they'll send back something so quick. I'm thinking. Wow, how did you get the picture of a police officer uh, on his knees putting? I mean, it's like I can't even find broccoli. I, yeah. I, do you have them loaded in? Like well, a some people, I, you, there's like a there's a recently used one. Oh, and you can learn a lot about somebody from their recently used uh-huh. emojis. Uh huh. Because there's all kinds of you know, it, it, it's, it's a section to check out in people's phones. I wanted to, uh, Connie. I, I walked walk the dog this morning at like five o'clock in the morning. And I wanted to send a message. I wanted to be cute, and not just say, "Hey, the dog pooped, and I fed it." Right? Fed her. 
So I was looking for this poop. Yeah. I found poop. By the way, if you just type poop, it'll give you the suggestion to replace it with emoji. Like, <laughs> I don't know whether we, you, you could, and if you just write smile, it'll give you a smile. Yeah. And you can but I could not that. find dog food. Well, you could just write food and it'll give you some food options. All right. I just, I'm just, I'm just, this is just this a little really shortcut great. to this help is you very out. very helpful. So you, they, know, you know, we had other stuff we were going to go. Ahead, I'm I get in a lot of trouble too, especially if I'm texting people under the age of 30 for using punctuation. I also text from my computer. So they don't, I am, like, they don't like punctuation. Oh, no, man. Commas are out. In fact, I've gotten made fun of by people under 30 for using commas. Like there's people in my acting class who are, you know, under 30 and, and we'll be setting something up for a scene or for rehearsal or something. And they'll be like, oh, I thought it was really funny how you used capital letters and commas in your text. It's so funny. Okay, so what does your acting teacher do when the kids under 30 start using like under 30 slang when they're doing their scenes? Well, you, you got to use the script. So if the script, oh, so if you're doing man. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, then yeah, go for it. <laughs> but if you're doing, if you're doing Shakespeare, you got to do Shakespeare. Yeah, okay. we were going we to talk about other stuff. We'll say that for next time. It was, uh, I don't even tell you what it was. Uh, well, actually, it was uh, uh, different ways you can de- develop BO. That'll, yeah. go, that'll go on forever. Well, we can talk about that on our next show. Okay. So make well, sure you yeah, subscribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's talk about this, this, this principle of, of quit. And I want you to introduce yeah. uh, 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 Mr. Is it Mr. Oh, Dr. Robertson. Dr. Robertson. Yeah. Dr. Robertson is going to tell us all about uh, when it's appropriate to quit, why we have a stigma in our society that's against quitting, and, uh, and, and how to d- help discern that in your life. Now, I play devil's advocate a lot in this interview. I want you guys to know that I push back on some of the stuff that he says. He's got an answer for everything, but you will hear me be a little bit more, I don't want to say confrontational, because I, I, I had a really good time talking to Dr. Robertson, but you'll hear me just ask some the questions that I want to know about when, when it's appropriately time to quit. Uh, and then uh, before, before that, though, a quick word from our uh, Weeder Artery Health. Yeah, because my arteries are killing me right now. Go ahead. Yes, because of all of the because of all the stress from talking about texting. No, I've been eating I've been eating a lot of venison. Trying, you gave me this venison stuff. It's so good, and I'm worried about it. So go ahead. Well, you're keto. You're fine. Yeah. Well, it's sort of keto at this point. So, uh, so <laughs> quick word from Weeder Artery Health, and then right into our interview with Dr. Stanley Robertson. Hey, it's John Tesh here to tell you about Weeder Artery Health. If you're concerned about maintaining your heart health, I urge you to check out Weeder Artery Health. It's crucial to maintain healthy and flexible arteries, and that's where Weeder Artery Health comes in. It has clinically researched key ingredients like vitamin K2, which is hard to get enough of from food alone. Weeder Artery Health uses MenaQ7 as the source of vitamin K2. It's been clinically shown to help transport calcium to your bones. Weeder Artery Health also includes an ingredient called Aronia Berry, which improves circulation and helps maintain blood pressure by keeping arteries flexible. Proper blood flow is your lifeline, and I want you to live a long and healthy life. So grab a box of Weeder Artery Health. I get mine at Costco for the best value, and you can too. Or you can visit Weeder.com. Go to Costco.com or Weeder.com for Weeder Artery Health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Dr. Stanley Robinson, uh, you've got the new book out, Quit. And and with which, by the way, you know, you've got uh, you've got Jack Canfield doing your foreword on this. And there's really nobody who understands success better than than Jack Canfield. So the idea that he wrote your foreword and, and, and said such glowing things about you really is everything that our listeners need to know to go out and buy the book. So that, that's great. So we're just honored to have you here. Everything else is a formality. People need to need to read this just because Canfield did the intro. Well, thank you. I appreciate being on. Uh, Jack Canfield is absolutely amazing. You are correct. He is one of the uh, most prolific um, authors and uh, speakers on and coaches on the concept of success. He, of course, 
uh, is the author of uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And right and- there, he can retire. Right there, he can retire. <laughs> they've, they've licensed that ad nauseum. You know, that, that's, that's yacht money right there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Chicken Soup for the Soul is a, a billion dollar brand. Uh, he's also now um, working on his Success Principles uh, series. And uh, so, yeah, this was just kind of a natural for him. Uh, my book is called Quit, The Last right. Principle of Success. That's where I was going to go with it. So it's the last principle of success. Why Why is it the last one? Well, I mean, it's obvious why it's the last one because you have to quit. But uh, yeah, is, is that meant to be an extension of his uh, success principles book? It, it is not. Um, there's no connection between uh, my book and his book, other than, of, of course, the fact that he loves the book and uh, he wrote the, <laughs> he wrote the um the forward for the book. Uh, but the idea that uh, it's the last principle of success, yeah, the, the, that idea comes from this, is that we know that there are many things that a person would have to do in order to achieve success in their life. Right. Uh, and one of the things that is not on the list is quitting. In fact, hardly most, ever. <laughs> right, yeah, I would, I would, extend that to say never yeah never will you find quitting on the list of mm-hmm. success principles uh, however in I fact think that, the opposite uh, quit quitters never win winners never quit right which is a total myth it's a fallacy it's been drilled into our skulls forever and uh it's just wrong yeah okay so keep going so tell so why is it wrong well it's wrong because we recognize that successful people quit all the time mm-hmm. and there is a laundry list. In fact, my premise is that no successful person has ever achieved success Mm. without the ability to be able to quit. Uh, We know that, uh, for example, Michael Jordan quit baseball and won a three-peat. The Rock quit wrestling, became a superstar action hero. Schwarzenegger quit being an action hero and became a governor. So we know that people who are very successful have mastered the art of quitting. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you but, but okay. So yes, so Schwarzenegger quits being an action hero to become governor. The Rock quits wrestling to become an action hero. I, I understand that, but that's more that's more upgrading. Is that what you're saying? Like uh, that you have to quit in order to get to that next level, and that's a that's a thing we don't realize is that that going all in on something is important. Like why? Because that doesn't feel like quitting. That's not like that's it. I've had my last day at Arby's. I'm done. It, I'm tired of smelling like roast beef. I'm out of here. All right. So there are there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. Now, that is, in fact, quitting. Um, uh, Dwayne Johnson quit being a wrestler to become an actor. Uh, He did an interview on um, Oprah Winfrey's. um, I forget what she calls it. Super Soul Sundays, I think. Yes, 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 yes. For sure. Uh, But in, in any case, he did a he did an interview with her and she asked him about that. And he said that he quit wrestling on purpose. So it's not like he said, oh, I'm, I'm upgrading. He said, he said, I quit the sport because he wanted to do something different. He, he knew that his career was not a long-term career in wrestling just because of the physicality of the sport. Sure. Uh, so he had to do something else with his career if he wanted to go further. Right. And he decided that that thing that he wanted to do was acting. And that's why he ended up leaving. Now, some people don't like the word quit which right. is a problem in itself. Right. Yeah, I mean because again, I think you you we talked about it earlier, it's this idea that 
the winners never quit and quitters never win. I mean, we, we, that, that was drilled into me as a kid. If you're going to start something, you're going to finish it. Um, and, and that's, that's a you principle that, that we try to instill into our children. And I, and I think, well, I think that's an, that's an important concept, you know, your idea of, of cutting your losses or of, of trying to double down and focus on something that is the, the better thing huh. seems to be how, an extension of that idea. So we, 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 I think we've overdone this idea that quitting is wrong. Is yeah, what we, you're saying? we have. Yeah, absolutely. And if, even with your, our kids, you, you're correct. We tell our kids, you can't quit baseball. You can't quit, uh, the, the flute, you know, you can't quit right. ballet. If I'm going to start paying for lessons, if I'm going to, if I'm going to start leasing the flute from the local music store, which is expensive, by the way, people don't even realize, uh, you're going to do, you're going to do the lessons for at least six months. Right. And see, and I, I think that that could be a problem, not necessarily in all cases, but the reason why that could be a problem is because our child, our children, they are growing, they are learning and exploring. If you force the kid to continue doing something, whether it's playing an instrument, playing a sport, uh, doing a dance class, if you force that kid to continue doing the thing that they don't like, you could damage that kid in a couple, couple of ways. Number one, you could stunt that person's creativity. The child should be free to explore. That's what kids do. They explore the world. Um, and eventually they find something like, this is it. This is the thing that gets me going every day. But if you force them to continue playing the flute uh, or playing football or baseball, and that's not something they want to do, number one, it's going to prohibit them from trying something else. And number two, it could possibly damage their uh, self-esteem. It mm. could it could prevent them from doing their best. They're not going to excel at something that they don't want to do mm. just because the parents force them to continue doing it until the end of the season or, you know, for a specified period of time. So that may not be the best thing to be doing for our, for our children. Okay. I, I, I mean, and I just playing devil's advocate here, and I know we're speaking anecdotally, So, but I, I do know people where the opposite is true, where they are told Look, you're going to finish this first whatever, this first uh -huh. milestone of what I need you to commit to that to justify the initial financial expense, uh -huh. um, and then and those people eventually eventually fall in love with it. I'll give you an example in my own life. My co-host John Tesh did not like practicing the piano. Mom uh -huh. made him practice the piano. Very successful Emmy Award winning, Grammy nominated piano player at this point in his life. Uh -huh. So. so Okay, so there, there's a difference between there's a difference between your parents making you practice versus you saying, "No, I don't. This is it. I, I don't want to do this. This is. I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this. I, I'm I, I'm not good at this." And the the parents saying, "You, if you're going to do it, you have to practice." I mean, we know that our parents have to make us. Yeah practice, uh, what do you call it? Uh, math problems. Right. They have to make us read because, you know, it's not something that's enjoyable when you are in the early stages of learning anything. So th that is valid for our parents to, uh, to, to force us for, and force is not necessarily a great word, but yeah. it is valid for our parents to force us to, to, to knuckle down and do the things that we need to do mm -hmm. along the way. But I'm talking about if the child is playing baseball or, or, or doing ballet and the child 
it does not like it they're they're not good at it they don't want to do it at all then it's probably better to allow that child to explore something else children should explore as many right. different things as they possibly can because that's how they learn um, so a lot of times um young people will say for example i, I teach college and uh, a lot of times i'll have students who will make the argument that if you are going to school for, say, accounting or media or mm-hmm. or biology, sure. why do you have to take all of these other unrelated classes? They hate the classes. They don't want to take them. They have no interest. Well, we recognize that in order to be a well-rounded person, in order to, to learn and to grow and to develop, it is important for you to do other things except that one thing that you may eventually you know, do, do in your life. So for our kids, it is important for them to experience a myriad of things if they're going to be a well-rounded individual, yeah. if they're going to learn. Because how, how, how can a child possibly know that I want to be a concert pianist? Sure, you know, sure. And they're 10 years old. I mean, it, that, that doesn't make any sense. Right, but you'll never be the concert pianist if you don't. You, 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 there's that ten thousand hours thing, and I, and I know I know we're really getting into the weeds here on this idea, and I, and I and I understand your basic principle. I still think there's room for the need to commit to something. Like I I agree a hundred percent with the way that we've structured college being as expensive as it is, and really being primarily beneficial to people who are seeking a professional training of sorts is kind of anathema to how college is actually structured when you're there, which is it's supposed to be the free exchange of ideas and a place to discover how you think and, and process the world. But we've we've kind of flipped it on its head with the price and with the professional. Like, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I just, you know, I, I also think that there's value in, in, in committing to something. But but I don't think you're saying that there's no value in committing to things, even at a young no, age. No, absolutely not. If you're going to be successful, you have to have right, the ability right. to to commit. You have to be able to persevere. Uh, earlier, we said that there are there's a laundry list of things that that are or will be considered success principles. So right. there are many things that you need to do. Perseverance is going to be on that list. Sure, you're not going to be successful without that. So I'm not saying that right, you don't right, 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 right. need the, the ability to stick to something. I'm saying that we need to add the idea of quitting right. onto that list. Right. So in 100%. other words, yeah, there are situations where you need to keep going. You need to push through. Um, and this is something that I discuss in the book. Now, for example, if you're going to be successful, there are times when you do need to persevere. You've got to push through. Sure. And those times, for example, um, if you are doing something and you, you're trying to make a decision, should I continue doing A or should I give up A and Right. Do this is what I want to get to is how do you make that decision? Go, 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 go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. So there's, you have to, first of all, you have to obviously be honest with yourself and be honest with your skills, with your talents, with your right, background, right. with your resources. Um, but if you can do that, then there are times when you should think about quitting. And the times when, but, but before I talk about when you should consider quitting, let me just give you a couple of points on when you should not think about quitting. Yeah. In other words, you need to persevere. You need to keep going and push through. Um, one, for example, you should not 
quit something or consider quitting something just because it's too hard. Um, and this is obviously a, a very big right, which is again why the parents making you stick with something is kind of an important thing because it it's hard and kids have a ten- people always go down the path of least resistance. True, and not just kids, but adults right. as well. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah, yeah, we all we all want the past a path of least resistance, but you you should not. Um, you should not quit just because the thing is too hard. In fact, if the thing is hard and you can muster the gusto to push through those times, that's when you're going to get closer to your success. No that's question. when, no yeah, question. I mean, yes. that's going to build character. It's going to build your competence mm-hmm, level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to, it's going to do a lot of things for you if you can push through those hard and, more, and difficult times. So we recognize that that is not a reason to quit. Uh, uh, you should also not quit just because you haven't been successful yet. Uh, in other words, a lot of times we want to, we, you know, we want success. We want it fast. Uh, we want the, you know, the fame and the money and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you should not quit just because you have not become successful yet. That is a bad reason to quit. Right. Uh, you should not quit just because you are underappreciated. You know, you let's say you have a job or or you have a, a, a um a, a partner, you're in, a, you're in a, uh, a venture or something along those lines, and someone doesn't appreciate you, you're doing all this work and you think you're great, you should not quit just because uh, of that. So again, these are other reasons why you should not quit. You shouldn't quit just because you you covet what the other person has. Like, oh, you know, I'm doing all the work and so-and-so is making more money. Right, right, uh, right. So-and-so has a bigger car. You know, again, these are re- not good reasons to quit. These are very bad reasons to quit. Right. So those those are things if you're if you're kind of evaluating what you're doing and you're looking at that and you're thinking, you know what, forget it. I'm I'm done with this. And it's for one of those reasons that I just mentioned. Those sound like more emotional reasons, like and I'm envious of somebody else's success. I'm frustrated by my lack of success. I am uh, what, what else? I'm 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 covetous of something else i'm I, it's it's hard you know it, i, I want i just want to relax all right. of those things are, are are these kind of kind of emotional reasons to quit yeah yeah and and obviously that's not a good a good time right, thing right, right. to do but but here's some of the the times when you should think about quitting uh, for example if you're doing something for the wrong reasons that is a good time to think about giving up that thing uh, for example, um, uh, let's say if you are a, a young person or even an, even an, an adult and you're doing something. I knew this one guy, he was working a job and he was doing this job because his mother wanted him to be doing it. He right, wanted to be right. doing something else with his life. If you're doing something uh, and I would consider that the wrong reason now Again, there is obviously value in our parents guiding us and and coaching us through things. But if you're doing something for someone else because, you know, this other person thinks it's a good thing for you or this other person wants you to do it, that may be a time when you should think about quitting. Uh, uh, Another time you may think about quitting is if your priorities have changed. In other words, you're doing something and you decided that, you know what? this is really not exciting me anymore. I want to be doing something else. Uh, that's a good time to think about 
quitting the first thing and doing something else. Uh, another very important. But time there are, but there are all kinds. Of, so I mean, are you just saying overall? Because there are moments in any job. I mean, even if you're an international superstar actor, you mm-hmm. know, living the proverbial dream. The uh, there are times when it's a grind and when when you're not super passionate about it moment to moments, you're talking about just like a general I don't get joy from this at all anymore kind of thing. Right. Yeah. If yes, if you I'm, I'm going to use the word dread, if you dread do, <laughs> doing the thing, in other words, people are working jobs that they hate. Right. Uh, people are and hate is a very strong word so i use that word on purpose right if you work people are working jobs that they're hate and i'm not saying that you know oh you don't have fun every day on your job right you know, right right, right. but floating it's the, 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 where you're sitting in your car in the parking lot at work and you're just going oh i can't believe i have to go in right now that kind of yeah. thing yeah and and some you may have those days but i'm saying that if this is your life if if your life you're doing something that you dread, you really should consider giving that thing up Mm -hmm. because that leads to uh, both physical and emotional harm to your body. Right, 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 right. So, so those are, those are the times when you should really consider uh, giving up the thing. Now, of course, there are other times when you should think about quitting as well. Um, We all go through life cycles. And when I say life cycles, I'm talking about basically the aging process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, The Rock, Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger started off as a bodybuilder. And obviously, you cannot be a bodybuilder, but for so long. Right. Um, so then he quit being a bodybuilder and became a, an actor. Well, you can only be an action hero movie star for so long. Mm-hmm. And then he quit that and became a governor. And I'm sure at some point he quit being a governor to to do something else. Well, he's so back we, to acting now, but he's not he's not the he's not the Terminator anymore. He's the right. he's the uh, town sheriff that has to defend against the Terminator now. <laughs> okay, which is a good thing. Right. But 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 he so he recognizes that as he goes through life, certain life stages will dictate that you have to give up certain behavior. Uh, one of the worst things we can see is someone doing something that is very age inappropriate. Uh, so, so those are really important times when when you you have to quit one thing. And and by the way, there's a technical term for this notion of quitting. Um, and the 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 technical term for quitting is goal disengagement. Mm. Goal disengagement. So w- when I was writing the book, um, I I did a lot of research. And during my research, uh, I I read every book that I could find, and I read every study, studied every theory on the concept of quitting. Now, no one refers to it as quitting. So if you go out to look for uh, research on the topic, you're not going to see anything that says quit because nobody says you should quit anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you will see a mound of research on the idea of goal disengagement and that concept just says that if you're going to be successful there you you need to have certain skills so that you can disengage from goals that don't work for you that you you no longer want to pursue you don't have the skills to do it or whatever the thing might be that causes you to give that up and then you re-engage yourself to other goals that are going to be more productive that's going to lead more to your success. Right. Uh, I mean, George so, Clooney's a great example, too. George, George Clooney quits ER 
uh, and by the way, you know, his films were not as successful when he was on mm-hmm. ER every week. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he quits and you can't see him on television every week and people are starting to pay to go see him in the movie theater and becomes the biggest movie star uh, you right. know, of his era. So mm-hmm. so there's a great example of... Uh, I, I don't want you to think that by playing the devil's advocate, I don't see the wisdom in some of the stuff you're saying. But like, because I that's 100% true. I've definitely seen... And the timing of that is really hard. How do you quit a successful television show because there's a greater that's it, a really hard thing especially because those goals seem more aligned than even what you're talking about like i understand quitting your accounting job because you really want to start a business that makes sense to me i i but how do you quit if you're close to what you want to be doing see there there are many well first to answer that question it is it is not an easy task to figure out when you should right. quit or, or what you should quit tell me when uh, to quit this job Right, right. See, nobody can tell you that. But again, um, we can give you some guidelines. We can give you some things to consider. And like I mentioned earlier, um, one of the things, if you dread doing the job, that is when you should be considering giving that thing up uh, because it is going to impact your your health, both Mm -hmm. physical and mental. Uh, You should not be thinking about giving up the job just because you know, you think you're smarter than your boss, for example. Right, right, right. Uh, Again, so, that, that sounds like, like another example of a um, of an emotional reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and and uh, so again, there's various reasons, but um, but this doesn't just apply to job. This this idea, this concept of quitting, uh, can apply to to any area of your life. And and I'll, I'll give you just a couple of really quick examples. Give me all uh, the examples you got. Okay, so we're familiar, for example, with um, Ringling Brothers Circus. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, last year, Ringling Brothers had been in business for 146 years. Last mm-hmm. year, they went out of business. The reason that they went out of business is that they would not stop using animals in the circus. They had been sued, and they were tied up in court. For over a decade, it cost them multi-millions of dollars fighting these lawsuits because the animal rights activists said that they were abusing animals during the circus act. Mm-hmm. And all they had to do was give up the animals. Um, they interviewed the uh, the uh, owners of the company. They said that they could not stop using animals in the circus because animals are such an integral part of the circus. In other words, you can't have a circus without animals. Right. Well, now we know that that's not true. Cirque du Soleil is hugely successful. They never use animals. Well, they have that one, the the horse one. Right, which is a specific type of uh, of, of Cirque du Soleil type. And and it looks like they're handled very well. Right. um, But their other circuses use no animals. That that one is just specific to the Right, 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 right. I'm just giving, I'm playing devil again. Sure, sure, sure. But but the, the thing is that Ringling Brothers would still be in business, except they could not wrap their minds around the idea of stop using animals in your acts. They couldn't do it. He said he couldn't do it. And he said that he could not give up animals no matter what. And of course, they're out of business. So again, this is an example of the idea that we have a problem with the concept of giving up things, of quitting things, and that could lead to our demise. Um, and and I, I want to give you another example too. Um, and again, that's just kind of a business. And and there's a hundred, that's hundreds of those. Right. Um, 
uh, of businesses like Blockbuster who who wouldn't quit uh, sticking videos on their shelf. And now, of course, you got Netflix and they're streaming and they're doing all kinds of things. Right. Well, you know, you've got to stop doing one thing and engage in the next thing if the situation calls for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, in, in relationships, for example, uh, there's this young lady I know out in Southern California. Her name is Nicole. She was uh, married to this guy, very toxic uh, relationship. She had a baby, for example, and after she had the baby, one day her husband comes into the bedroom, reaches down, um, just kind of lifts up the excess skin you know, from the delivery and says to his wife, do you think I could be attracted to that? Jeez. Well, this is obviously a very toxic relationship. Yeah, but quit she, that she relationship. Could, but she couldn't do it. She could not give up the relationship. Um, uh, now, eventually she got a divorce from this guy. But then she still wanted to maintain the relationship. They had a business together, several businesses, and she continued to hold on to the business. Uh, She was overweight. She was fat shamed by her husband, by people in her community. Eventually, though, when she gave up the business, when she finally cut the ties with this particular individual, Mm -hmm. uh, she lost all the weight. She became very healthy. She became an author. She's a speaker. She's a yoga um, instructor, and she's doing a lot of great things, but she could only do it after she gave up that relationship. Which brings me back to the concept that I mentioned earlier, this idea of goal disengagement. There's two things that we have to do if we're going to be successful at quitting, or in other words, successful at disengaging. Mm. A lot of people like that word better. Well, and, and, and I think, uh, yes, so I mean, I think like, you know, you're giving some great examples of of toxic situations that we, I mean, I think people do that with their marriages. Like when is the right time to say, to throw in the towel on a marriage because like, when is it so toxic? Cause we, we say we commit, but there are, there are circumstances under which like you're, like you've brought up where it it becomes, it becomes dangerous to yourself to stay. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think we don't, uh, I think we don't, I think, I don't think we're, we're equipped as a society with knowing when that when that moment is that you need to throw in the towel. I think we throw well, in the towel at the wrong time a lot of times. I think I think here's our, our big problem. Our big problem is as a society, we've taken the word quit and mm-hmm. we've turned that word into a negative thing. Sure. In other words, it is bad. In any circumstance, it's right. bad to quit. If you hate uh, your job, you know, it's bad to quit the job or it's bad to quit. It's like you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed to quit a marriage because as a society, we frown on that. So we have taken the word quit. We've made it into a negative thing and it prevents people from disengaging from things that are harmful to them. We keep doing it because we don't want to say to someone that I quit that particular thing because then you are a loser. You are a quitter. In other words, the word quit has become synonymous with right. loser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because again, why you, you gave up on the thing because you didn't have what it takes to, to follow through. So, yes, so how exactly. do we overcome that stigma? How do we, what are four things we can do uh, to overcome this idea that society has placed on us that we're wrong for quitting? So yeah, that, because I think if we can question. overcome the stigma, we can make that more, the stigma makes the reaction emotional. And that when is, the reaction is emotional, it's irrational. And because it, and we want to make this a rational choice. How do we overcome those stigmas? True. Okay. Um, w- one thing I would, I would say, uh, there is another problem, though, if, in order that uh, prevents us from quitting. So there's two things 
that stands in our way. And, and what you're saying is true. We do have to figure out how do you overcome those things. Uh, but I, I want to tell you the second thing real quick. The second thing, uh, now the, the idea that, um, you know, we're embarrassed to quit and, and yeah, you're going to be looked at as a loser, that happens externally. In other words, mm-hmm. society puts this pressure on us to, to not give up because we'll be viewed in a bad light. However, there is an internal reason why we don't quit as well. Um, and they, they've done a study, and they, we call this the jigsaw puzzle study. In the, in the jigsaw puzzle study, uh, they took two groups of people. The first group, they gave them a jigsaw puzzle, and they said, work this puzzle until you finish. Second group, gave them the same puzzle. They said, work this puzzle until you finish, except they interrupted the second group did not allow them to finish the puzzle. What they discovered, the first group, after they completed the puzzle, they went on about their business, went on about their day, and they were perfectly happy, never thought about it again. The second group who could not complete the puzzle, they continued to think about that puzzle throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like an uncompleted crossword puzzle drives me nuts. Right, exactly. So what what they, the conclusion to the study is that our brains are hardwired for completion. So if we cannot complete a task, Mm -hmm. we continue to go back. We continue to think about that thing. So that's why we can't, you know, if you're, if you're in a bad relationship, it's very difficult to leave because you keep thinking about that person. Right. Um, if you're working a job, you keep thinking about that. If, uh, so whatever the thing is that you want to give up is very difficult because our brains are, are created in such a way that it wants to complete anything. It doesn't matter if the thing is good, if it's bad. It doesn't sure, matter what sure, it is. Sure, sure, sure. Just the fact that you were not allowed to complete the thing causes us a problem. So that's the second reason. That's the, that's the second problem we have with uh, quitting or giving up things. Right, right. Now, so so to your question, uh, which is, you know. Maybe How do we overcome this stigma? Because it's both internal and external, and it's, and it's clouding up our judgment. That is correct. So there are there are certain things that you can do to help yourself be able to um, to get past this. Uh, one of the things, um, for example, uh, there is something that we we do or don't do, as the case might be, uh, in terms of uh, when we're trying to reach a goal. If you're going to go out and you want to reach a particular goal, the there's a situation where when you're trying to reach the goal, the way our brains work, mm-hmm. we think about um, the way we plan for the goal is we think of the best case scenario. Okay. Our best case scenario says that I can get from um, point A to point B. Right. Now, this is referred to as, as the planning fallacy. And the planning fallacy just says this. when we tr- When we think about what we want to do, our plan is start at point A and we're going to get to point B, which is where we want to go. We think of that as a straight line when in reality it is not a straight line. Right. There's there's t- twists and turns, there's ups and downs, there's bumps and bruises in order for you to reach that goal. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we can do if we want to be able to um, – get past the, you know, this, this whole idea and get closer to our goals 
is we need to adjust the way we think, the way we plan for our goals. And um, I'll give you a couple of examples of how you can adjust your thinking. One of the things that we've learned um, in these studies is that if you want to, uh, let's say if you're planning to, I don't know, you're planning to learn how to play the piano. Okay. Now, it may take you years to, to master this, right? Uh, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, it's going to take you three to five years to master the, the piano. We think it's going to take less time than it's actually going to take. So one thing that we should do is be more realistic with our plans, uh, because if you're not, then you get discouraged. Now, another thing related to that is what we can do is we can convert months into days. So for example, if you have a plan to, I don't know, let's say you want to start a business and you think that it's going to take you, uh, I don't know, two years to start okay. this business. If you, if you say it's going to take me two years, it's easier to say it's going to take, for example, 48, um, what's a year, 12 months, mm -hmm. 24 months. So your brain is more likely to embrace the notion of 24 months than the idea of two years. So why is that? Well, it's because our brains are programmed to look at things um, from a psychological from a psychological um, perspective. In our minds, we actually bring by using months, we bring the thing closer. We're bringing it in. We're by using years, we're pushing it out. Mm -hmm. So even though it's the same, obviously 24 months is still two years, but to our brain, 24 months is better. So I'd rather do something. I'd rather it only take me 24 months than it for it to take me two years. Just because so, months seem shorter to us in, in our, in our, yes. in our psychology. Sure. See, see, a month is shorter than a year. A week is shorter than a month. A day is shorter than but, a week. But there's like, so, so we should, I have 104 weeks to get good at the piano. Um, 104, though, is, is so much bigger than, than, than two years. Uh, yeah, that is true. However, the, the, our, the way our brains work, even though the number is bigger, our brains focus on. That's the, crazy. The, the the segment of time, the block of time. So for the human brain, a year is just a long time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, 11 months and 20 days is better than a year. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's because crazy. that's how our brain. And then this is just, uh, again, this is a function of, uh, of studies that have been done mm -hmm. where they determined that that's how the human brain works. And again, they've called this thing the planning fallacy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we recognize that if you convert uh, days, convert it into days, it's better than if you convert it even into weeks or months, convert mm -hmm. it into days, even though the, the number it's going to be higher in, in terms of days. But the fact that you're looking at the thing in days, we think our brains all of a sudden think of it as, oh, this is not so bad. It's just going to be X number of days. Right. Right. Um, and, and I'll give you actually my book is a very good example of that. Uh, in my book, Quit, I, I uh, as I mentioned earlier, which I, is the reason we're talking right now. The last true. success principle, quit link to where to buy that in the show notes, by the way, for anybody curious. But go ahead. Keep going. So. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I studied it. I read every book that I could find, studied every theory. 
And what I found when I was doing this research is that there are a lot of um, overlap. There, there's a lot of consistency throughout the research. Now, you can read books, you can study reports, you can study theories. But what I did is I boiled it down to four steps. Okay. So, so four steps. It's easier for me to say, here, if you want to be successful at quitting something, these four steps can get you where you want to be mm -hmm. versus, you know, saying, uh, you know, learn these 10 theories or, or you know, read all this research mm -hmm. because it still boils down to that. Now, there are, you know, things obviously in between these four steps. But instead of me saying there's 10 steps or 15 steps, I boil it down to four steps. And then, of course, there's a lot lumped into each mm -hmm. each particular um, step. But the fact that I boil it down to four steps, right. your brain can process that. Right. And, 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 and let's just review those four steps. Uh, yeah, just real quick. The, um, I, I use the acronym Q U I T quit to describe the what, four where'd you come up with that? <laughs> well, again, when I was reading, when I did the research, it just kind of, you know, it, it was there. Uh, but the, um, the, you know, I had to play around a little bit, of course, mm -hmm, with, mm -hmm, the, obviously. You know, with the words to figure out how to how to make it work. But uh, the first step is uh, Q, which stands for quit quickly, quit quickly. OK, in other words, but it's like the Sil Silicon Valley principle of fail fast. Yes, very similar to that. Yes, because what I found is that people who are very successful, they quit fast and they quit often. They don't. As soon as successful people recognize something is not working, they stop doing it and mm -hmm. they re-engage and they do something else. So you have to be able to quit quickly. We've we've actually got laws like in this country. We have laws for people who are successful to quit. Billionaires, millionaires, they, we have something called bankruptcy. You know, the bankruptcy laws are really called fresh start. Well, what does that mean? If you're going to have a fresh start, that means you quit doing something and you started doing something else. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's a matter of, you know, your perspective and how you think. But the, the point here is that uh, successful people quit fast. They quit often and they are not afraid to quit. As soon as they see this is not working, stop doing it. Do something else. So that's step number one. Um, quit quickly. And, then, and step number two. Step number two is the you. Q-U. U is for understand the negative emotions. Uh, and understanding negative emotions means, I've come up with this concept of, you know how we, we have this idea of fat shaming, where we talk about people who are overweight? Well, I come up with this idea of quit shaming. Quit mm. shaming means embarrassing people because they quit something. Uh, and I think that understanding, in my second step, understanding the negative emotions is, is, uh, is the idea that one of the reasons why we will not, we are very reluctant to give up things, even if that thing is harmful to us, we're still reluctant to give it up because there is a negative stigma associated with the idea of quitting. So we don't want to quit anything because we're afraid that we're going to look bad to other uh, people. So I think if we can understand those negative emotions, we can recognize what they are, we can recognize what to do in order to work around them, mm. then we can be more successful. And that's the second step. Uh, the third step is the I, Q-U-I. Yep. I is to initiate new goals. Uh, in other words, um, if you're going to be successful, 
when you quit doing something, you do have to create new goals for yourself. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't just quit being a bodybuilder. He had a goal. He said, I'm going to stop being a bodybuilder and I'm going to be an action star. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're going to give up one thing, you must initiate a new goal. And this works whether, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a, um, you're trying to think about a job. If you quit one job, you should have another job lined yeah, up. Yeah, that's that's uh, a that's a really important timing element. <laughs> it's very important, uh, but but it's part of the steps to quitting. So see, you know, again, quitting don't just mean okay, I, I take my ball and go home. Right. It means that you have a plan. You mm -hmm. should not disengage. You should not quit thing A unless you have a plan for thing B. Right. Even right. if that plan is just hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and you know and, and sit on the beach for the rest of my life and you know, and, and live in a hut. Okay, mm -hmm. fine. But mm -hmm. you have to have a plan if you're going to be successful at the art of quitting. Uh, so that's the I is to uh, initiate the new goals. And the T, Q, U, I, T is to transform your behavior. Mm. Uh, that just means that's that the hard part, man. That is very hard. That is very hard. But we've got, um, there's some things that you can do in order to make that happen. Because we know that if you're going to give up something, you can't keep doing the same things that you were doing before. Right. That didn't lead to your success. Right. Uh, so you're going to have to do some things different. Uh, and I'll just give you a couple ideas of some of the things that you might do different. Uh, one of the things you might do different, uh, for example, would be to get a an accountability partner. Uh, mm -hmm. th that's a very important thing you can do. Or join a mastermind group. What's uh, a mastermind group? Um, uh, uh, the mastermind group concept was developed by um, uh, Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich, uh, which he, he wrote yeah, of uh, course. a long time ago. Yeah. But in any case, um, a master, so he came up with this idea of a mastermind group. A mastermind group is a group of like-minded individuals that you associate with and you help each other. In other words, you bounce ideas off each other. You think about things, you discuss things. A brain and trust. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda famously has one. He's got a group of, of people, uh, people that he, Lin-Manuel Miranda obviously uh, wrote, won the Tony for In the Heights and then obviously created the sensation Hamilton. Uh, but he's got a group of people that he, that he uses when he's writing and conceptualizing pieces uh, including his his music director Alex Lacamoire and and other and other freestyle rappers, so he's it's like it, that's a big thing for him. Yes, yeah, and that's a big thing. If if you want to be successful, it is a very important thing to do. Um, and some that that's actually how I connected with Jack Canfield through a mastermind group. Oh wow, I want to yes. get in your mastermind group because that sounds. Like, <laughs> I want Jack Canfield to write the forward for my book. <laughs> right, that's right. Yep. So so anyway, that um, that's the that's my four step process. Q U I T. Quit quickly. Understand the negative emotions initiate a new goal, and then transform your behavior. Yeah. Uh, when I did the research, this same information is in all the research. It's just kind of scattered. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and But if you read everything and, and, and kind of internalize everything that you read on the idea of quitting, then uh, it will eventually boil down to those things. Now, you may have to read a 100-page paper or something or – or something like that, but yeah. you know, if you read uh, if you read all the books and all the um, research, then they will eventually get to those four things somewhere in that research. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, thank, first of all, thank you for doing the, that work because I'm 100% unwilling to read all of the things that you've read in order to come to <laughs> your four principles. Um, but I also think, you know, I, I still think that uh, I want people to walk away with a with a easy litmus test or an easier mm-hmm. litmus test. Obviously, buy the book. Uh, the book is Quit, The Last Success Principle. Um, but... Uh, what is like a, I just want I want uh, I want a, a an easy litmus test for hey I should quit because again mm-hmm. I think I think that that's knowing when to quit is fundamentally the issue here like I buy in to this idea that in order to achieve greatness and again you know it's a part of Silicon Valley it's a part of a lot of things you need to fail fast you need to quit doing the things that are not working and you need to uh, make sure that every task that you're working on is oriented towards the goals that you have for yourself. I agree with that. Otherwise, you will never accomplish those goals because you will, if you're working for somebody else every day, and and, and this is, again, the issue also becomes how do you decide when you're paying your bills with your job while you're working on your passion project versus when you need to quit your job because it's taking away from your passion project making money? Like that, that, that issue of timing is, is, is also important. But how do you know when, when something is really, it's no longer serving the function that it, that it needs to do? Okay. Um. Well, well, the 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 true answer to that question is there is no easy way to figure that out. Come on, make it easy. Yeah. Right. Make it so, easy. Give me the quick fix. Give me that the quick pill I can take on Thursday afternoon and be ready to go by next Monday. Right. Then that's what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. So, um, even though there is no easy way to do that, um, I will. I, I think I can come up with two things that um for sake of argument would be two things that is can be at least helpful in terms of uh of trying to take the easy way out uh number one is anything that you do if the thing itself is not making you happy is not something that you want to be doing with your life then you should consider giving up that thing uh, in other words, uh, again, I'm going to go back to using the word dread. If you dread doing something, and when I say dread, I mean that the thing that you're doing is tr- making you unhappy and possibly leading to um, cha- health challenges. In other right, words, right. Uh, you know, mental, physical, you can't sleep at night. You know, you're, you're up worrying about the thing. You hate going in. You have an ulcers. You get headaches uh, or whatever the case might be. So I think number one, if you dread doing the thing and it's not leading to your happiness, then it's just not worth it for your life. Yeah, I mean, but there, there we do get in the issue of bills have to get paid, mouths have to get fed. And, okay, you know, that's so that's part two. So that's part two. And nothing. Well, no, I don't mean to keep bringing up. I mean, I'm sure Arby's is a wonderful place to work, but I'm just you know, there's there's certain jobs that I don't think people would do if they didn't need the money, you know? Well, my, my premise is that, and this is not absolute, so it's not 100%, but generally speaking, I think that nobody would work any job if they didn't need the money. So the reason we work jobs is because we need the money. We want to live a certain lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, if I can travel the world and, and, you know, yacht around, uh, I would never work. Because Jack Canfield doesn't need the money and he's still out there grinding. Your guy. 
Well, the only reason he's doing that is because he wants to continue yachting around the world. Right, and, right, 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 right. Buying houses and doing all the stuff that, that he's doing. Uh, so the the now, of course, again, this is not 100 percent. Some people do it just for the sport. Right. Uh, you know, in other words, you don't need another penny. And Jack Canfield don't. He, he doesn't need any more money. He right. can retire now for the rest of his life. But, uh, you know, he is he is what do you call it? Um, Motivated engage, by something engage. bigger than himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's you know, it, it's engaging. It gets him going. It gets his juices flowing. He, he wants to be on that stage pumping up the crowd. He wants to one one of Jack Canfield's purposes in life. Mm -hmm. This is what he believes. He believes that his mission in life is to help as many other people become successful uh, authors, coaches as he possibly can. Mm -hmm. And when someone is doing something and that person becomes uh, successful and he can then go back and say, I did that. I, I helped that person. I I worked with that person. I coached that person. That's something that gets him excited. So he doesn't necessarily need to be doing it for the money, but he likes the engagement. He likes do. He loves doing what he's doing. Uh, and there's some people in that position, uh, but most of us are d working because we need the money. So um, that's the second part. Truth. So the, mm -hmm. That's truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so the first the first part you know of the easy fix to you know when you should quit number one if the th if you dread doing the thing mm -hmm. that's a really litmus test on when you should consider mm -hmm. giving that thing up and then number two if the thing that you're doing is provide putting food on your table and keeping a roof over your head you don't want to give it up until you can replace it with something else that's going to replace that mm -hmm, income. Mm -hmm, yeah. So, so those are the two things that, that I would say. So again, even if you're working a job, you hate the job, I would say you should absolutely find another job as quickly as possible, but don't leave that job until you can replace the income with, you know, something else. Fair enough. Uh, so, th so those are my two, I, I guess, if you want to boil it down to a very, you know, quick and dirty uh, litmus test. Uh, one, uh, if you dread doing the thing, it's going to cause you mental anguish, health Amen. challenges. It's just not worth it. You you want to give that up as quickly as you possibly can. And then number two, you, you always want to, if you're going to give up, A, you need to replace that thing in particular, if it's related to the income that, you know, that you need to, right. to live off of, you want to, you don't want to give it up until you replace it with, um, you know, B, which is a comparable income or, yeah, I mean, in some cases you may downsize, but yeah. whatever, whatever it is, whatever your, your thing is that, uh, sure. that you don't give up thing A until you can replace it with thing B. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you go pretty soon here, uh, Dr. Robertson, but, but I, before I, why haven't I achieved all my goals? What, what am I, what am I missing about myself? Uh, now that is the. We've been talking for like question. an hour here on the yeah. air and off. Tell, yeah. tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong. All right. Uh, now, now again, the true answer is I would have to, you know, know more about what what you've done, what you haven't done. Right. Uh, however, uh, again, just I'm using uh, myself as a boiler, like use me as a boilerplate just, example. Just general, right, sure. Just generalizing. Um, there are several reasons why someone has not 
um, hit their targets and hit their goals um, in a general, uh, generally speaking. One of those things might be that the person has does not have the skills. They don't have the 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 talent or the background. Wow. Wow. That hurts. It does. But that's (laughs) that's that's really the deal. Now, that that's not necessarily, you know, something that's so bad. Uh, However, what that means is that that person just has not um, invested in learning or gaining those things that, that they're missing. In other words, there is a gap somewhere. That could be a gap in resources in terms of money, finance, because mm-hmm. you do need money in order to make more money. Mm-hmm. So you can have a gap in your uh, finances where you need to have access to more uh, more financial resources. You could have a gap in your knowledge base where you need to learn something more or improve your skills in some way. Or you can have a gap in your resources. In other words, the, the things, the people that you need in the right place. Uh, so I think that that's probably one of the biggest reasons. Uh, another reason that uh, people may not have hit their targets yet is because there is an element of luck. And I don't know if if luck is the right word, but there is an element of luck. In other words, being in the right place, like, you know, I connected with Jack Canfield, you know, and the the idea of luck means, you know, you're being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Your idea has now... Um, come to fruition it the world is ready for that thing that you have to offer Mm -hmm. Uh, because no matter how great your idea is if the world is not ready for it then it's not going to work so when i use the word luck you make your own luck in other words you prepare being prepared is how the luck luck is uh luck is when uh preparation meets opportunity absolutely yeah absolutely so but but um but for in layman's terms, when I'm using the word luck, I'm saying that you have to do the homework, be prepared, be ready to take advantage of the opportunities when mm-hmm. they present themselves. Uh, so um, you have to put yourself in the right places. And one other thing that I would say is that, um, well, two other things. One other thing, though, is that we you have to be willing to invest in yourself. In other words, you've got to be willing to go all out 100%. Most of us will hold back. Mm. Um, and, and when I say hold back, I mean that we are not willing to put it all on the line because we're reserving something. You should never reserve anything. Just, I think you, this you comes got... back to that external pressure thing, this idea of shame and not wanting to be seen as failing or not wanting to be seen as quitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this is related to that. The... The, but the reason why I think we hold back is because we are trying to uh, we have doubts. We have we don't if you fully believe if you believe 100 percent that what you are doing is going to lead to great success you know, financially or whatever other type of however you define success, if you have 100 percent belief that what you're doing is going to lead to that success that you desire, none of us would uh, have any hesitation. Uh, it's that I mean, risk element, it. yeah. Right, it, which, and there's a risk involved. There's always, a, there's zero way to eliminate all risk. So there's always going to be a risk involved. The question is, 
do you have enough confidence in yourself and what it is that you're doing that you know for a fact that this is going to work, this is going to lead to my success. If you have that confidence, then you can go full steam ahead and you can put everything on the line. If you don't go and put everything on the line, then it's possible that you still have some level of doubt that, uh, you know, maybe this won't work out and I want to make sure I've got something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, that could be another thing that uh, can prevent your success. And then one last thing is um, uh, just fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many people experience fear and there's all kinds of fear. Um, There's fear of failure. There's fear of success. There's fear of everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, those fears obviously can, can hold you back as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think those, so many of those describe so many of the things that I feel on a regular basis. I think a lot of us feel uh, Mm -hmm. consistently that, that, that holds us back. And I think, I think what it all comes down to, I, I mean, I don't want to overly, I don't be reductive here, but I do hear this sort of, there are these two, there's an internal and an external resistance to being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and, and being seen as anything but uh, living already living your best life. And I think that that idea that, of trying to make the best of where we are sometimes gets in the way of us being the best that we and getting to a better place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Sense. Absolutely. Well, well, you know, I just, I, I would just like for people to at, at minimum, at minimum to get past the trauma, the stigma associated with quitting. Right. Because we've already got enough things enough roadblocks. We got enough Mm. things holding us back. We don't need one more thing like, oh, you know, I got to keep doing this because if I quit doing it, um, you know, uh, I'm going to be embarrassed or somebody's going to think something bad of me. You don't need that additional pressure. And uh, so I think if we can get past that, then we can, that can take us a long way to reaching our goals. Yeah. Well, the book is Quit. The Last Success Principle, or The Last Principle of Success, uh, a link to where you can buy it in the show notes. Uh, Dr. Robertson, before I let you go, where can people follow up with you if they want to if they want to engage with you uh, more? Oh, sure. My, my website is thequitdoctor.com. So link to the website in the show notes. And one last thing that I ask literally everybody on the show, as long as I remember, sometimes I forget. What is one thing people can start doing today to make their lives a whole lot better. Uh, let's see. One thing you can start doing today if you want to make your life better is um, read. Now, oh, I love it. Yeah, the 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 art of reading has long left us, uh, but you should read as much as you possibly can. Um, and I and again, it doesn't have to be a, a a book in your hand. It can be, you know, online. Of course, we have pads. You can you can read on your phone. You can mm-hmm, read on your mm-hmm, computer. Mm-hmm. You can read on a, on a, a Nook or some other kind of um, uh, iPad or something like that. Uh, or, or you can still some people still read books and magazines, and that's fine too. But I think that the more you read, the more competent you're going to be. Right. The more knowledgeable you're going to be right. and the more likely you're going to be to get yourself in the right places. Um, so I, I, I think I, I think that would be number one. There is nothing that, that I can 
imagine that's more important than reading because that's where you get the exchange of ideas. Yeah. yeah. I agree hundred percent. Everything from, from, uh, op-ed news articles, books, all of it. I agree hundred percent. All right. Well, I'm, I've taken up enough of your time. I genuinely appreciate it. Dr. Stanley Robertson, phenomenal stuff. And, uh, you know, this may be my last podcast ever cause I may have to quit. <laughs> well, I, but not necessarily. <laughs> and that's the thing. Um, some people have quit quitting. So Oh now know. now we're getting meta. Now we're getting deep into it. We'll save that for our next interview. Have a great day, Dr. Robertson. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for inviting me on. I love it. Seriously, this is it? That you, this is your I, last one? No, I, I'm not saying that. I'm, I, it was just, you know, I was, I was highlighting the emphasis of, of when it, figuring out when it's time to quit. Well, so can you look back at your life just real quickly and, and think about anything that you, that you should have quit a little early? Because I can. I mean, uh, for, for things me, I, mean, I could have quit me. earlier? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know it, it's, maybe it's a couple of movies I should have walked out on before the producers ran out of money and, and people started getting yeah, kind of me. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. nice. So you're loyal. I, 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 prob- I probably would have quit E.T. maybe two years earlier. But, but I think I, I, I definitely wouldn't have done the John and Lisa show. How about that? Yes, I think that's fair. I think you left E.T. at the exact right time. Right, your, okay. your PBS All special right. had hit. And by the way, check out. Go to Tesh.com. Sign up for the newsletter to find out about the book, to find out right, more details right, about right, when exactly, he quit. Exactly. That is it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us up with, follow up with us at Facebook.com slash John Tesh. Spend a lot of time there. Go live, do posts, post videos all the time. Also, John is on Twitter at John Tesh, on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. I try to respond to every message because you guys are the most important thing. We can't do the show without you. That was amazing. He, he, he didn't read that either. That came right out of his head. <laughs>